are listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Now, here's your host, Lee Clamp. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Advanced Leadership Podcast. I am excited about our guest today, my friend, Josh McClendon. Josh, welcome to the episode. Thanks for having me, Lee. Oh, man. Listen, Josh has been pastoring Philippi Baptist Church for over a decade. How many years has it been? I'm in my 11th year there. Oh, just one year over the decade, but still, (laughs) you've made it to the second decade. They're finally starting to listen to you now. Now, Josh, tell me about your family, man. I've got uh, three kids. Um, Little, my son, my oldest son is 11. His name is Judah. Mira's nine, my daughter. And then my baby boy is four. His name's Levi. Levi. And he, uh, He's he's a third child, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. And then my wife Valerie and I have been married for fifteen years. So. Awesome, awesome. Now, now, uh, now, tell me where where are you currently serving? Where is Philippi for those listeners out there that might not know? All right, so Philippi is uh, it's in the peach capital of the world, Johnston, South Carolina, um, which is um, just north of Aiken. If people, most people know where Aiken is at, we're about fifteen miles north of Aiken. Um, and so Johnston is a little town of about 2,500 people, and we are five miles outside of Johnston in the middle of a peach orchard. Um, so we are definitely a rural church. So you have to go first to the rural town of Johnston and then go five miles past the rural. That is right. That is right. I love it. Now, yep. being out there, uh, obviously, you got li- I've heard that you live off the land, Josh. <laughs> I mean, do you own a tractor? Do you have a tractor? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a tractor for every kid. So I've got three kids, three tractors. You know, that's just a fun little hobby. You have line. three tractors at your house. Mm-hmm. Do you need multiple tractors for multiple jobs? Um, you probably did if you use them to make a living. But I just, uh, it's just a hobby. It's just now, a do hobby. you got chickens out there? We've got a few. We've got a few. Now, are you a are you a going around? Uh, you know. Collecting eggs every morning, kind of guy. My or kids, you, or that's, part, actually, that's uh, part of their Kentucky chores. fried chicken. No, no, they're they're uh, laying hens, and and so my my children have to feed them and get the eggs every day as part of their chores. You got any cows out there? No cows at my house. There's a lot of cows out there, but no cows at my house. Incredible. But the peach capital of the world. Now I yeah. thought that Gaffney. I mean, Gaffney's kind of boasting with this big, huge water tower. That's the shape of a peach. You're telling me you guys put them under the bus? Far and away, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm from Georgia originally, the Peach State, and I thought, hey, I'm from the Peach State. I know what's up with that. Um, and then I moved to Johnston and find out this is the Peach Capital of the world, the largest grower on the East Coast, um, one of the largest in the country. Is the 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 um, headquarters for that farm is about three miles down the road from our church. So I mean, it's there's probably ten thousand plus acres of peaches right around us. Wow. Well, Josh, you've had an incredible ministry. Uh, at the local level. You also serve with our state. You've been, um, you're currently the chairman of the Committee on Committees. You've been a past uh, VP, second VP. You've also been on our executive board and uh, and even served as like the, the, the chairman for the administrative committee. That's right. And, uh, and one of your claims to fame is you were the chairman, you were the last chairman of a dissolved committee. That's right. I don't know if that's a claim to fame or not, if I need to be proud of that or not. But uh, So you led us as the chairman to realize we don't need that committee. That's incredible. 
Uh, I did make the the proposal for us to kind of restructure, and so that was uh, that was part of part of my tenure there. That's awesome. So, why Johnston? Why five miles away from Johnston? Like, you know, a guy from Georgia. You know, you probably didn't think about you know maybe setting down roots right in the middle of a peach orchard. So, uh, tell me where does that come from? Was it you know why? Yeah, so I grew up in a little town a lot like Johnston um, in the 80s and 90s, small town, 35 miles south of Atlanta. Um, And so the rural setting felt like home to me. Uh, I grew up in a church named Philippi Baptist Church, um, which was, uh, was interesting when this church called me to be their pastor. And I remember my senior year of college, uh, you know, you hear people excited and dreaming about what ministry might look like and where they might go, uh, but I didn't hear a lot of people talking about going to the rural church, and, and I couldn't help but think about the people there that needed leadership and people who were passionate and purposeful uh, there in the in the rural church, and I just really felt a burden from for that uh, then, and had some experience at a larger church uh, as uh, the first place I served, and then taught school for a while, but but really just had a burden for uh, the pastorate, uh, my calling, wanted to get back to my calling. And uh, so the Lord just kind of lined up through, it's kind of crazy, through an ad in the courier that I sent a resume to. Oh, wow. And uh, this church called me, and, and we've been here almost 11 years now. So. Well, I firmly believe that God changes the world through small towns. You may have heard of a place called Bethlehem, right? Mm, that's right. And uh, and we see all over our state, um, small town after small town, but there's big vision in some of our churches and some of our small towns, and that's what we pray. We pray that God would use small towns in South Carolina to change the world. I mean, take your county, for instance, I mean, just in your county, uh, y'all boast 10 governors being from that small town. So you're developing leaders, but also there's lost people there and they matter. And so let's talk a little bit about how the rural church is different. Hmm. As you've been a leader now 11 years uh, at the same place, you've been able to kind of get involved in, um, in the community. How is the rural church different? I think, um, first of all, it's different in that um, you've, you've got a lot of family connection, of course, a lot of history. Um, something that, that we talk about a lot is uh, just uh, cultural Christianity and how strong it is, especially in the rural setting. You know, everybody's got uh, some connect. Their name's on a membership somewhere at some church. And so when you really try to, to share the gospel, it makes it, it, makes it challenging uh, to really get people lost first, to, to help them understand that they're lost and need the gospel because they, they have enough head knowledge about religion, and it's such a big part of culture. And so it's really, it's really challenging in that way. Another thing is I think when we are engaged in things with the convention or different conferences we might go to, um, many times it feels like there's a disconnect from the rural church and to what ministry looks like there. And so the standard seems to be kind of set around uh, more populated areas and what ministry looks like there. And it's a, a temptation for us to, to 
that are serving in the rural church to walk away feeling discouraged because we're measuring something different and expecting kind of the same outcome. And so um, that that's a difference I see. I think it's a slower change, um, and, and you really have to be in it for the long haul. Um, there's an expectation in a lot of these churches that a preacher is going to roll in and roll out, and they're going to be there when they're gone. And so it takes some time to win their heart, win their trust, and be able to, to really effectively lead in a lot of a lot of those scenarios. So those are some of the challenges. We could probably go all day on that. But Yeah, you know, as as uh, as I think through this, if you were to increase um, maybe 10 people that have crossed over from death to life, they were lost in your community, if you were to increase 10 people in your community uh, versus... 10 people in a larger populated community, although you both have the same size church, you have dramatically impact the total lost population in your community as opposed to another. That's right. Unpack that for a little bit. What's that like? Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, it's definitely challenging to, to get to that point in thinking about uh, trying to make that impact only on ten people, um, but uh, I think also at the same time we need to be able to to, to celebrate that. And um, th- I think the the huge challenge when we think about reaching those ten people is um, there was a time in the rural church. I think in church in general, when when people were broken or needing an answer, they came to the church, and that that time is gone. And so trying to get people who were used to, uh, my church people who are used to lost people coming into the church and, and the preacher shared the gospel with them to realize uh, their part in um, personal evangelism and for us as leaders to train them in that and equip them for that and to kind of see that come to fruition um, has is definitely a challenge mm-hmm. um, in, in kind of helping that process unfold. Yeah. And there's also some um, some things in the rural uh, setting, actually, that are that are preconditioned. They're preconditioned actually to 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 work in step with the way Jesus did business. Mm-hmm. I'm from a small town, um, and uh, my grandfather was a pastor in a small town, mm-hmm. and um, and in a small town, the pace is a little slower. That's right, which allows a little bit more time for conversation. In a small town, everybody knows everybody, mm-hmm. uh, which sometimes is good and bad. But the but the beauty of that is that there is a natural built community um, aspect of the culture that is not in larger areas, and you almost have to fight first to build the community uh, culture that you've got somebody who actually knows you. Right. Um, but that's already embedded. The, the flip side of that is because we know everybody, sometimes we think we know them when we really don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this surface level um, knowledge of them. Um, but because of that, that pace and because of the ability to have some kind of natural connection, uh, the rural church actually could make some serious headway in the lostness in their community. But it's going to cause them to actually get out of their comfort zone of, of kind of their own family environment at the church. That's right. And engage the community, which there may be some people that are different than them, 
um, that actually aren't inside the walls of the church. And that's what's been beautiful about what I've heard uh, from Philippi is that you guys are a church of the community. You guys get out of the walls. So what are some things that you're excited about uh, from the rural setting that you've been able to uh, to see your, your people get uh, energized about? Yeah, so I want to speak to uh, kind of moving towards that, uh, some language that we use a lot in that setting of why we get outside of the walls. Um, and so our kind of our kind of theme is a place to grow with a passion to go. I like it. And so our goal is for believers to gather together and grow up in maturity with an intent to get outside of the walls and go and serve in our community. And we say all the time, hey, we hope that if we cease to exist, there would be a huge void in our community. And so I think our congregation has really bought into that. Um, And so we have been willing to go out and try a lot of different things. Some of them have been very successful in just having our presence in the community, and some of them have been failures. And uh, we have been willing to fail at something and learn from it and move forward. And so we, we you know, one of my first years there, we uh, we went in, sat down with the, the leadership at the local elementary school and said, hey, we want to be a partner in education. And they were like, what does that look like? And, and we're like, that means we want to serve you, pray for you, and figure out any way we can uh, to come alongside you in process. And that's looked like Christmas dinners um, hosted at our church for their teachers that we go all out and try to love on them and invite them and their families. Um, we do uh, teacher appreciation gifts. We've, uh, at one point in the past, we we kind of had faded away, but we were doing a birthday party for every child in the school once a month. Oh, wow, that's um, cool. And we're able for a while to to share, hey, Philippi Baptist Church loves you and Jesus does too. Have a happy birthday. Just little mm-hmm. little points, backpack food ministry, um, giving out water at the high school graduation has been huge. Just just a, a like simple glass of water or bottle of water um, to, to let people know we're thinking about them and, and kind of establish presence there. And little things like that have been huge for us. Now, we've tried some backyard Bible clubs and had some success with that. And we've tried things like Easter egg hunts in town and, and really just didn't go well. And we were, we were back. We were like, hey, we tried it for a while. Let's try something different. And so, um, like, I feel like the church has been very resilient in, like, pressing uh, pressing on and not giving up just because we tried something and didn't, didn't function well. Uh, another one, we, we engage a lot of people that by no other means would come on our campus. And I think this is part of understanding the culture and community you're in is, is a turkey shoot. And uh, I love it. So you go out and shoot turkeys? No, we uh, oh. we shoot targets, and it's a big thing in our area. I could probably name four or five others around. Um, we do one. We do a really good job with it. We feel like have good prizes. But every night, halfway through, um, I or or one of my one of my guys, one of our church members, will get up and share a testimony or, or share a gospel message, and just just a few moments to to kind of plant that seed. And we've seen a couple people come to Christ through that. And so, I uh, love me a good turkey shoot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I I went to a turkey shoot with my father in law, and I'm I'm sure he's listening then now. And I don't want to brag or anything, but I did dominate, and his son-in-law beat him in the turkey shoot because I hit a couple more targets than he he did. And I, yeah. I was using his shotgun, but I I feel pretty good about that. And you know, because behind every man um, is a very surprise. Behind every great man is a very surprised father-in-law. <laughs> 
But you you also in your area realize you got some guys who would come to that a lot more than if they would That's come right. to a church service where there's some good singing and That's right. There's a guy speaking. But they'll come shoot some targets, man. Yeah, and, and to be able to it's led to things like maybe they didn't show up at church on Sunday, but maybe when they had a family member pass away, I was the pastor that they knew from the turkey shoot. Wow. And wow. I mean, that, that's made, there's been a lot of those connections and ultimately leading people to Christ wow. through that process that has come from that. And so, so you become their pastor before they ever mm-hmm. really join the church. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I had a friend one time say that he stopped asking people where they went to church because in the rural community, they always seem to have an answer. But he started asking people, um, hey, do you have a pastor? Mm-hmm. And um, and they would like look at him kind of dumbfounded, and they thought about it for a second and said, well, I, I'm, I think our church has a pastor, but I'm not sure his name. Now it's a, you know, kind of a, uh, obvious that he's not engaged. And then he just followed up with, hey, man, if you ever need one, mm-hmm. I'd love to be your pastor. Mm-hmm. And that's not just for guys who are, you know, obviously leading churches like you, you know, yeah. with the priesthood believers. It, it's all of our believers. I love that, though, yeah. that you become their pastor at the turkey suit. Well, you know, and after 10 plus years in the community and connecting with people and, and just doing life with people and being very purposeful with outreach, um, I do feel like there's there's a lot of people in our community that don't come to our church that that I've had great relationship with and have been able to minister to them. Uh, I mean, in, even in little stuff like neighboring churches, like uh, there's been a time or two where, where a church right up the street didn't have a pastor, but because I had relationship with those people, their son's in, a, in an accident or their dad's in the hospital or something like that, and they would call me to come and visit with them in the hospital and pray with them and, and walk alongside them. I'm not their pastor. I'm not, they're not coming to my church. Mm. Um, and, and I wasn't trying to steal them away, but it was, it was pastoring my community. Mm. And so um, it's really been uh, a, a neat opportunity to, to see that transition in my ministry from being the new guy yeah. to, to the guy that yeah. really I, I feel like I pastor my community. That's neat. You know, and a lot of times in rural contexts, we, we don't realize – how many different cultures are present. In fact, I had a friend one time that was having lunch with a pastor, and uh, he asked him about the Asian community in his rural town. And he said, oh, we don't have anybody from Asia who lives here. Mm-hmm. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, we're, you know, we're in the country, man. We don't have, we don't have anybody from, from, from other countries or from Asia. And the waiter walks up to the table, and the, and the guy looks at the waiter and says, hey, where are you from? He said, I'm from Indonesia because they were eating at the Chinese restaurant in town. Wow. And it, it was one of those things where he wasn't being ugly to the people. He just didn't see them. But you guys have seen some some people that are from different cultures. Unpack that of, of some things that you've seen happen within your church. Yeah, so um, something that, that really began to burden me is – we being in the peach capital of the world, um, it's a lot of manual labor. Um, and so they, they have a lot of migrant workers that come in seasonally and, and you're every day, if you're driving them around my community, you're going to see guys from Mexico that have come there to work. And my burden was that, Hey, how do I connect with these people? How do I, how do I make this connection? And so I began to pray about that and and share with my church a little bit along the way. Hey, how how are we going to connect with these people? If we can reach them, 
they're going to be missionaries going back to their home. We don't have to go on a mission trip where we have to worry about drinking the water, eating the food, or sleeping in an awkward place. Um, and so they're like the Lord has put them right here. And so um, as we began to pray and look at how how we might be able to do that, there's been a couple of different times, once at Christmas and once just this last year, where we've been able to, to kind of um, have a dinner for them, share the gospel with them, uh, give them a gift, and just try to make that connection. We've got a, a couple of uh, Spanish-speaking people in our church the Lord has placed there. And then within this last year, one of the, the peach farmers in our community, he and his family joined our church, and I kind of cast this vision to him, and he, he bought in and, and was like, hey, let's make it happen. And so um, they were able to bring about uh, 75 or 80 guys. And Wow. And us make connection wow. with them. And so we hope that that's going to be – COVID in the last year has kicked all of our community involvement in right. the teeth. But right. we're, we're, we're trying to, to pull back and, and, uh, and get a go at that again and so hope that that relationship continues and we're able to make some headway there. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, in our state, um, we have 1,100 of our 2,000 roughly Baptist churches are under 100 people and nearly 1,500 that are under 200 people. Um, so honestly, it's, it's, uh, it's more normal to be in the context of a smaller congregation in a rural area. Mm-hmm. And so to hear stories of Philippi and what God's been doing there um, just gets me excited because I believe that, that um, all of our churches around our state, if they started seeing those who were not inside the walls, those who were far from God, that were uh, far from him but close to them, we could actually see a movement. And so over the past uh, decade, you know, we've seen Philippi, you know, grow from, from 100 in worship to over about 180 in worship. You've seen um, Sunday school double over that same period of time. Um, you are a great testimony uh, to what could be around our state. And I just appreciate you. your leadership, Thank appreciate you. your friendship. I'll say this. I, I think I'm very encouraged. 10, 10 to 12 years ago, the, the cool thing in the conversation and the needed thing still was church planning. And I've seen a shift to there's there's some some equal attention now given to church revitalization. And that's what go into a rural church that might not be as uh, attractive of a setting as some people might at first think um, or might not be the same type of ministry that you you might think that you want to do. But uh, when you get there, you come to see that there's there's great people there mm-hmm. that love the Lord and that want to love on uh, on the family of God and, and you as their pastor and some really great opportunity to, to bring about change and health and growth in those rural settings. And so I hope that um, I'm encouraged by the the change of conversation about revitalization. I hope that more and more young guys are going to come up and 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 see that as a viable option of a place to make an impact for the kingdom. Yeah, because I think if we put our yes on the table, there's some younger pastors out there that are listening, or some guys that are, you know, thinking about going into ministry. If you put your yes on the table and say, "Lord, send me anywhere around the world," that's right. Um, he may just send you to some of our smaller communities in South Carolina um, to where. God might actually change the world uh, through that ministry and maybe through just one life That's right. uh, that they hit in the areas in which they are. Josh, thank you so, so much for being with us. Yeah, man. Enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great. 
Well, we look forward to you tuning in uh, in the future as we get further great leaders like Josh to come and join us. God bless. So thanks so much for tuning in, and I look forward to another episode where we hear other great leaders like Josh uh, being a part of our broadcast as we saturate together every life with the hope of the gospel beginning right there in your community. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. We look forward to another episode in the future where we have other great leaders like Josh come and challenge us until every life is saturated and transformed by the hope of the gospel. It's fun advancing together with you. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. This South Carolina Baptist Convention podcast is made possible through the cooperative program giving of South Carolina Baptist churches. For more information, visit scbaptist.org.